Welcome back to another episode of GoCast TV. I'm your host, Clay McElrath. Today, I'm talking with Matt Rosentrader and Jiron Dalati of CC4CS, uh, cc4cs.com, if you're curious. And we're talking about security, something very prevalent to their application uh, and, and their product overall. So, um, I'd like to introduce you to them. Matt, Jiron, tell me about CC4CS. Um, first of all, what does it stand for? So CC4CS stands for Critical Controls for Cybersecurity. It's basically you know, a play on the critical controls. There's a lot of focus around hacking right now and how do you prevent it or how do you slow it down. And so you know, a lot of groups have given their opinions on what the controls should be and how to do them. The problem with it is, is that when you look at the controls that are put out by some of the best, some of them are really complicated. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And almost, if you look at all the controls, if you put all the controls in place, it's almost impossible for a you know medium-sized business, let alone a small-sized business, to be able to do it. Even enterprise businesses rarely have the, the time, resources, and money to be able to implement all the controls. So I felt there was a need that there needed to be a balance. There needed to be a product that was somewhere in between that made sense, was easy to use. And I thought, you know, this would be a good opportunity for, uh, you know, to produce CC4CS. Okay, so we understand what CC4CS is as uh, an app and a company. Um, tell us a bit, let's go technical, let's drill down and talk about the software stack and um, kind of your choices in that space. So what is the software stack for CC4CS? So the software stack right now is, for the backend we have Golang, for a database we have MongoDB, and front-end-wise we're just using plain old HTML5 and jQuery. Nice. So can you give me some of the uh, explanations and thought processes behind picking those uh, different tool sets? Absolutely. Um, so HTML5 and jQuery are pretty straightforward. It's just, it's, it's, um, it's what the modern day people use. We didn't want to get too crazy with all the new JavaScript libraries that are out there yet. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we kind of we wanted, this is more of just a test. We wanted to see where this application would go, what we, what we were really looking for on the front end before we got crazy with um, a lot of the new frameworks. We are thinking of like looking more into things like React.js, which our friends uh, have talked a lot about um, for our view templating. As for, as for the database choice, I've personally just loved Mongo since day one. For me, it, it's what a database should be. It just holds data. I don't, I don't have to predefine what I'm doing. I don't have to, uh, I don't have to decide on my types right uh, beforehand. I can just make documents that hold the data as I need it, you know? And for me, that's just, it, it's great for the big data. And this is something that we're, we're really going to run into because in each, in each business, there's going to be more than one security um, device that they're going to be inventorying. It's going to, I mean, in a large corporation, it could be hundreds for different departments. So for us, MongoDB just made a lot of sense in, in terms of scale and ease of use. Um, as for Golang, me and Matt are just in love with Golang. Uh, we, we both kind of come from an old school perspective of just uh, the, being in love with C. And for me, the C is like the red pill if you've ever seen a Matrix. It's, it's C was the truth, right? There was mm -hmm. nothing hidden from you. Uh, 
you did whatever you wanted to do, good, see what do it for you. It would it would make no assumptions. And that's really what I love about Go. And Go really brought in back a love for programming for me. It's simple, it's easy, and it's just it's fun because I'm writing I'm writing from the ground up and I get to see my my thoughts right there right there on the screen as I'm building. Um, I'm gonna kinda like Matt kind of described he's got a great description of Go and what he loves about it. You know, it, I love the red pill because for me, it's the red pill as well. I, I loved C. I programmed C professionally and, and even hobby hobbyist for many, many, many years, and I had a hard time giving it up. And I've, I've looked at the languages since then, and none of them have really ever touched me like C had and, and given me that excitement. And it's... As soon as I saw Go, it was literally an instant love. I, I felt like, wow, here is finally a modern day C. This is something that is extremely powerful. It's there, you know. It's it's written by, you know, it's created by Google. I mean, they are the masters at this point of all technology. And when you look at it, there's just there's just no exception for the way that they wrote it. Every time I want to do something with with Go. It's not a matter of can I do it. It's a matter of trying to figure out how to do it because most people haven't done it. But what I'm finding is no matter what I want to do with Go, it's out there. The founders have thought of it, and it's in. It's there, and you can do it. It's just a matter of, of knowing how to dig through the technical documentation, reading it, and trying to you know get it out on the, on the table. So I love Go. I love the red pill explanation that that's the way it is for Go. And plus – you know, it. I really feel like as this catches on and and people actually understand how powerful it is compared to the other languages, that you know this language will will take off. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I totally agree on on pretty much every front. Um, I think we're all pretty big advocates of Go. So, <laughs> preaching to the choir on that one. <laughs> but, no, I I love it. Um, so. You know, let's talk about security and Go specifically. Um, so I'm familiar with security and Go and, and really love Go for its security. But I think that there's a, a good majority of developers out there. And, and this isn't, this is generalizing a bit. It's not to imply that there are a lot of Go specific developers out there that don't care about security. But I think a lot of devs in general just don't care about security. Um, and I think a lot of them have a hard time like quantifying and measuring um, security in their language and in their tool set. So how do you measure and, and quantify security in, in your own applications? You know, Go plays right into security. It's it's Everything from the ground up is, is done right, and it's phenomenal. We've been experimenting with Go a lot. There's a reason why I started experimenting it and why a security professional such as myself is interested in a programming language like Go for writing secure applications. It's very simple. When I look at it from from the ground up and I, I look at the code, there was one story that comes to mind. Something happened over the last year. I, I was working with another company and all of a sudden I got these panic reports, you know, from board of directors and all the management was literally like, This application has been hacked. I knew the application, I, I had looked at it and I had realized it'd be pretty hard to hack this application. Uh, not impossible because, you know, obviously anything can be hacked in this day and age. But I thought, wow, that was interesting. So I started looking at these reports that they were giving me. And the first thing I noticed was it took this group 90 minutes to hack it. And I thought, that just didn't sit right. You know, I, I'm, I'm, you know me, I, I've been around 
really good hackers all my life. And if it's going to take any one of us 90 minutes to hack something, that's a pretty, that's a pretty long amount of time. If it's not hacked within five minutes, then it's, there's something wrong. So I thought, well, first of all, maybe the, the hacking group isn't that they did this, you know, maybe they weren't experienced or maybe they didn't know what to do. So I gave them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe it was just that hard to hack. So then I started looking at it. What I realized was they didn't hack this application. They read the source code of this application because it was a, you know, scripted language and they wrote, they read the source code, which basically essentially had the recipe for all the keys and all the critical information and they were able to recreate and look like they had hacked it when really all they did is they took the recipe wrote a program around the recipe and voila they were able to get social security numbers out of this program hmm. for me i wasn't impressed but it's scary and a lot of people freak out the point of it is is this this is a compiled language and one thing that i think about security is one of the best ways to secure an application is by giving it less. And what I mean by that is, what if there was a way to write this application where I didn't have to have Apache, or I didn't have to have Engine X, I didn't have to have another component, I didn't have to have you know, SSH, or I didn't have to have any of these things installed. And I, I, I took that from, I think a lot of us understand what Heroku is. I, I took a little bit about what they were doing, but I took it to the, the nth extreme. I thought, okay, they're doing the right things. And that is from a security standpoint, what we need to do, but can we go deeper into this rabbit hole? So I started playing with one of the littler apps that we wrote. And I thought, can we compile this application? Can we use the native you know, net HTTP listener, and can we get this to actually run without putting any type of proxy or web server on it? And literally what I was able to do was take that app, basically load it on a Linux kernel with nothing else installed, dump Mongo on it for the database connection, and then literally put the compiled application on the server, and voila, it works. And that was it for me. When I realized that I can build these applications, I can compile them, and I can you know, just install the minimum components of what I need on that system, that is almost a hacker-proof application. I mean, there's still things like cross-site scripting and, and all the other things that you have to worry about. But for the most part, if that application is programmed right, then you're eliminating physical security to that to the server and you're you're eliminating a lot of software vulnerabilities that you don't have to deal with yeah wow sorry for the long-winded explanation no no apology <laughs> necessary that it, definitely it's very important and i think you know i, w I would rather developers uh especially anyone listening to this have a very clear understanding as to why um it's hard enough to choose the what the what in terms of languages and frameworks um but i think you know, a lot of people are just choosing what based upon the wrong questions. And I think when people are looking at different languages, they're not asking a questions from a security standpoint. They're looking at it from a convenient standpoint, like, oh, let me, you know, and look, I'm not going to hate on other languages here, but, you know, I'll pick on Ruby for a second. And, and I love Ruby. Uh, what sold me on it is it's just so elegant. You can read through the source or you can, you can read through somebody's source code and it's, it's just so, it reads so nice. It reads like plain English. Um, and, and that sold me on it. But, it. but I should have been thinking as a programmer, uh, especially dealing with sensitive data, 
the first question I really should be asking is how secure is this? And and the answer I think like you're saying is that you really it's not that it's definitively less secure um, all the time, but generally speaking, it's the the more complex the stack, um, the less secure it's going to be. And so, scripted language is is by default automatically quite a bit less secure than a compiled language. And you know, and furthermore, I mean, a typical Ruby app might run on three different software components just to host that application as a web server. Um, yep, exactly. So that's yeah, I think that's a that's a great point. I, okay, so that leads me to another question. Um, you know, outside of being like low level and compiled, do you think that there are any other features that make uh, Go more secure than another language? Um, is there anything else that you know would would add to that? You know, for me, it's they don't make any assumptions. It's it's that C C mentality. Um, and it's part of it is it's very modularized and very anti-framework, which is really an interesting thought to have in like the year 2015. You know, we have so many frameworks upon frameworks upon frameworks. But here's what happens is the, the, the message gets lost, right? Like the medium is supposed to be the message, but, but the message is lost in a sense because suddenly I'm, I'm trying to run a Rails app and I have nothing against any other language or framework. But here's what happens for me is I try and run a Rails framework app. And I have to install 10 different gems. I'm getting errors left and right that I have no idea where they're coming from. Um, it, this app and that app are like making assumptions as to, as to how I'm trying to write my code and where my code should be and how it should be encrypted. And the thing I like about Go is that we, we just like, it's from the ground up. We decide what the encryption is. We decide how, what it should look like. We get to see it straight hand. And when there's an error, we know where it is on the stack. You know, it's not just honestly jumping around and hoping that we find what's, what's wrong with it. I think what's going on is just, we're just building thing on top of thing on top of thing. And it's just, it's becoming too crowded and just too messy to just get organized and really see the essence of what an app is trying to do and how secure it should be. Right. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. So do you think, uh, do you think that mentality is is going to remain? Like, do you think that Go forever preserves the mentality of uh, anti-framework and that less is more, or do you think as other developers maybe start to adopt it and and it starts hitting any kind of a critical mass point? Do you think that that mentality still exists, or do you think it could fade away? You know, for me, I'm a minimalist. I I love minimalism in design and aesthetics and everything, um, and for me. I, I don't believe it should be anti-framework, and I don't believe it should be a huge con convoluted framework. I think I, I love the word balance. There, I think there's beauty in balance, and what I'd love to see is a minimal framework for any language. You know, a framework that just makes a couple things really simple for 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 web, especially in, in sense of um, what what are static pages and what are dynamic pages and how to handle that and not have so much repetitive code. Um, I, I think the biggest struggle we've had building this app is we decided not to go with any framework. There are there are a couple really great minimal frameworks with Go, uh, known as Gorilla and Rebel, but you know we were just kind of like let's see let's see what it looks like without a framework. And at the end of it, we were like, yeah, we need we need something to really clean this up and just make it a little bit more coherent than what it is right now. So for me, I, I just I believe that there's there's a balance, and I'd love to see 
a much a very minimal framework that that doesn't do too much magic for you, but just helps you really organize and clean clean what you need. It really compartmentalize your code. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think you touched for a second there on on templating. That's something that um, I myself have have struggled with. Um, especially, I would say out of all the things in Go, it's the only thing that I've ever been disappointed with is, is it's just templating in Go feels very limited. It's definitely powerful still. It's definitely doable, but um, the concept of like view hierarchy is, is a bit difficult to implement. Um, what are your thoughts on templating and, and uh, have you overcome templating issues or uh, just know, thoughts overall? We, we're still struggling with it as well. There's, there's there's quite a few things that we're just like, wait, why isn't this implemented this way? Part of part of the templating that's frustrating for us is when we were trying to make a, a one and all render template function, and the way the way the parse tree is set up, it was just, I, I I wish there was better words I could describe what was going on, but I think templating has been the biggest struggle for us. And there's if you go into Google groups, there's a lot of questions as to why there haven't been as much implemented in the templating part of go and i think i think that's that's that is the weakness of go right now is is its templating functionality mm -hmm. yeah, so but yeah for, for me the templating i mean i i don't know the, the way i look at it is is if, if you look at it more from a framework perspective i i agree with everything that, that g is saying from from a templating perspective it feels like there's a miss but if if you look at the basics and and you did and you and you basically do it the way I feel like the Google founders want it to be done. If you if you implement pointers and and you do it correctly, there's nothing you can't do with that templating engine. It is extremely powerful. For me, the frustration is when the application starts to get big. That's where you start to run into trouble. And I think I think that's the frustration for me is. You could sit there and, and, and write 100,000 lines of code and even modularize it out, and it would run, and it would probably run very quickly. It's just trying to debug that or trying to organize that. I think when the applications you know get to be large, that starts becoming a problem. So I, I think we're saying the same thing. I think it's just a little bit of a different view. Yeah, and I, I would add to that kind of the solution that I came to and kind of my definition of how Go should be used after seeing its weaknesses in templating is that I think it was almost intentionally designed with poor templating and I think that's because the model of rendering views on the back end and on the server side is wrong and I think that the web is moving towards a, a an approach of the browser being the controller you know the the C of MVC and that if Go is really your model and your model only, that it's the it's the piece dealing with your database, it's the piece dealing with your data, and that Go is so easy to architect a custom API or endpoint with that I feel like um, it was just designed to really just deliver on that front. And what I've found in, in my own personal endeavors has been uh, using something like React or Angular on the front end, which has both your view and your controller built in, uh, in either one-way or two-way data binding, you can basically just say, okay, you know what, Angular is going to be in charge of this entire view and all of the logic on this page, and hey, here's where you get your data from. And that's all Go cares about your data, is just saying, oh, I got a request in, let me give the response. And that seems to be the route, like, it just kind of makes you wonder if, if that's really was, was intentionally designed that way, 
And, and at that point, it's a feature, not a bug, <laughs> right? So um, you accept it. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I always like asking other Go devs what they think about templating in, in Go. Yeah, for sure. Um, for, for me, another thing I noticed while you're talking about that was I, I had to bring in a lot of jQuery and using jQuery's Ajax functionalities mm-hmm. uh, for the error handling the front end you know of trying to tell the user that hey you've got the wrong password or hey this this the way you've input inputted this is wrong we tried doing that from a pure templating standpoint and it just it just turned really bad really quick mm-hmm. so yeah yeah well that makes sense i think uh i i definitely think that the web is is changing and the idea of server-side rendering actually needs to go away I think it's uh, I think it's just the wrong approach. It reminds me if if you look back onto uh, how just ten years ago or so uh, everyone was laying out their pages with tables, and it has been deprecated so quickly that if you were to find somebody that still renders their entire markup uh, in in tables rather than using divs and and CSS, um, you'd laugh, right? I mean, it's like no, that's that's archaic and and you need to stop. Um, I feel like that's kind of what's happening happening with like stateful web, like the idea of a server being responsible to not only serve itself, but then to you know to to handle response with view logic and view handling and and this idea of state being passed back and forth between the browser and the server. It's just a mess, and I think it's wrong. So I think Go and Node and some of those other kind of real time languages are are trying to address that problem and say you know what, we're just we're not going to do that because it's wrong. So just don't do it, <laughs> you know? Right. So, okay. Um, I think that's been pretty great. Uh, I guess I would ask any recommendations, any tool sets that you would recommend, um, you know, maybe some tricks of the trade, things you've learned over time um, that you'd like to share with others? I've got, I've got one piece of input that I think is good to leave it with, and that is there probably isn't a, a a day or two that goes by that I'm not getting asked by somebody, you know, what, why was the choice of go and how do you respond to the amount of of time that you're giving to go? And a lot of, I know a lot of companies don't want to make the the jump to go because they feel like it's going to be expensive. And I feel, they feel like there's not a lot of people out there doing it, but here's the response to that. It's, it's a very simple thing when it comes to developing go, we're spending our development time on the on the front end right now. We're spending it on let's learn how to do Go. Let's learn. Let's do it right. And you know, from the ground up, we're going to write this thing, and then we're going to incorporate other technologies into it later. The beauty of it is, is we spend less time debugging buggy code because we know where our errors and our flaws are versus you take a language like Ruby and you've added all these gems and you've got all these packages. You have no clue how to debug that. And so the, the easy answer is we spend time up front on development and less on troubleshooting it. Where if you take a language like Ruby, you might be able to develop that application quicker, but debugging it is going to take longer. In the end, the time balance equals out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, and I think my last statement here is is just to uh, just to really think about it for everyone that's kind of new to go. My frustration, and I've been talking with the community a lot and getting a little bit of backlash, but I really don't care, um, is the documents are kind of hard to understand for, for first-timers, um, mm-hmm. unless you're really experienced in reading 
uh, RFCs and stuff like that. It's just it's hard to understand. So so take your time and and to, and realize that a lot of people who are playing with Go aren't doing this full time on their business. You know, I me and Matt have talked about this a lot, and we kind of feel like we're one of the few that are trying to build an entire web application on Go and not just testing things here and there, or just doing the infrastructure with Go. Um, so don't get discouraged and just just build something and experiment and you'll find like some amazing and incredible things and I, I hope you share it with the community and not be scared to be shut down by it. Absolutely. And on that note, I would say and suggest that anyone listening to this podcast uh, can contribute to GoLangCasts. Um, we would happily accept uh, writers and podcasts and screencasts, whatever. Um, so if you get any value out of this, then consider giving back to the community and authoring something and centralizing it on GoLangCast. And with that, I think uh, we're out of time. So thanks, guys. Um, really great talking to you guys. And uh, as always, uh, take it easy and uh, we'll talk again in the future. Okay, thank you. Thanks.